so glad you made the choice to come join us now here in the studio with Mike McCard. I'm Wayne Shepherd. You know, I, I listened to this podcast back again, and I'm blessed by it. Oh. You know, I'm, I'm here for the recording of it, but by the time it's released, some time has gone by, and I listen, yeah. I'm blessed all over again. Yeah, so. I, that happens to me. I'll, I'll, for, I'll forget. You know who the guest was, or sometimes I'll forget sometimes what even it was about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, welcome to our listeners who yes. join us, and thank you for being faithful listeners who uh, who track with us for the hour. That's always amazed me as well. That yeah. People will stay with us for the whole hour. We're giving you a lot of reasons to stay with us the whole hour because we've got some very special things coming up today. Yeah, we do. Um, George Guthrie, who was one of my big uh, heroes in terms of biblical studies, he's my go-to guy if I have any kind of question on the life of Jesus. Is this idea crazy? Should I pursue this or not? Jo- uh, George is always so encouraging. and um, He's yeah. a New Testament prof without the heirs, right? It, yeah. He's like your 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 friend, your brother, who's a new, <laughs> who happens to be full of knowledge and you know never looks down on you or gives you a hard time, no matter how crazy your idea is. <laughs> on, well, he's going to talk about living stones. Can you say a word about that? Yeah. Well, G- George has spent a lot of time in um, in Israel, not touring, but really teaching. And he's been impacted by uh, a couple of different schools, one in uh, Nazareth and the other one in a town called Netanya. He's been uh, impacted by the, the Jewish and the Arab pastors, Christian pastors, who are pulling together. And, and uh, he's got some wonderful stories Good. to tell. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing yeah. from George Guthrie here in just a moment. In the studio, uh, this is kind of Israel Day because on yeah. your recent trip to Israel, Joe Carlson, our producer, who's right. looking at us through the glass right now, tagged along with his wife Katie yep. and recorded some things that we're going to actually hear recorded on location in Israel. Yep, and we're going to uh, ask Joe how the trip impacted him. So it's going to be a good hour. Whether you made him cry or not. Yeah, I tried. I really <laughs> tried. I wanted to see Joe cry. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, recently we posted an Ask Listeners uh, to answer a question for us. What songs would you like to hear featured as a live performance and in the studio with Michael Card? We got a lot of response to that. Yeah, it's encouraging. Uh, I have a couple of them in front of me. Uh, Angela said, oh, there are so many. <laughs> Among my most favorite songs are The Basin and the Towel, which we're going to hear in a few mm-hmm. moments. Emmanuel, That's What Faith Must Be, El Shaddai, Joseph's Song, Older Than the Rain, mm. and Star Kindler. Hmm. God has gifted you with so many beautiful songs, she says. Wow, thank you, Angela. And that got a lot of likes. That was so encouraging. Got a lot of support for that comment uh, there on uh, Facebook, I believe, from Angela. David said, come to the table, join the journey, one faith, scribbling in the sand, love crucified arose. So many, so many. Uh-huh. Actually, two words, so, so many, he said. I could go on and on. The basin and the towel, the list goes on, and he got some likes as well. So I'm hearing basin and towel is what we need to ask you to say. Yeah. Coming well, that's an here. easy one. I actually know that one, so that's a good one. <laughs> Any story behind this particular song? Uh, Basin in the Towel was, I think, one of the sermons that Bill Lane preached, and uh, he gave he would give me his uh, his sermon and say, "Write us a chorus." And I think uh, that's where this song came from. It was one of Bill's sermons. Okay. Well, we're going to hear it in a recording made at Wheaton College some years ago. So this is in front of a live audience. Michael Card, and then we'll meet George Guthrie on the program today and take you to Israel later on. But right now, the basin and the towel. In an upstairs room, a parable is just about to come alive and while they bicker about who's best with a painful glance he'll silently rise their savior servant must show them how by the will of the water and the tenderness of the town And the call is to community The impoverished power that sets the soul free In humility to take the vow That day after day we must take up the basin and the towel Any ordinary 
And live again when one will kneel and one will yield our Savior servant must show us how by the will of the water and the tenderness of the town at the space between ourselves sometimes So glad this song was requested. Thank you, Michael. Uh, you recently spent an entire month in yes. Israel, so I know you're not ready to go back tomorrow. No, I'm a little tired <laughs> from that. But we want to talk about Israel with yes. our good friend. He is Dr. Guthrie, professor of New Testament at Regent College in Vancouver, B.C. George, welcome back. Guys, it's so good to be back with you. Yeah, and I'm anxious to hear your your input on uh, Israel, your experiences there, because I know you've been going to the Israel College of the Bible and teaching there. Right, yeah. I, for a number of years, I've been going over and teaching classes either at the college or the last couple of times I went, I was up in Nazareth teaching uh, pastors who were both Jewish and Arab pastors Wow, uh, there in Nazareth, and, and that, was, that was kind of an amazing experience. Well, so. I'm, I'm looking at an article you wrote, Living Stones Among Ancient Stones, Four Reasons You Need to Visit the Land of Israel, Cultural yeah. Background, and, and uh, I read over it, and... It, I'm resonating with everything you say, even some things I wouldn't have resonated with earlier. So, um, let's can maybe we, with food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, I see number two. The Mark, food. I think star- of you as the guy who keeps Burger Kings around the world in in business. In, well, that's that's exactly right. But then all of a sudden, you know, hummus. I mean, hummus. Who cares? Yeah. But but uh, you're you're dead on. And point two, you talk about the, the significance of how amazing the food is there and that sort of thing, and everything's so fresh. And I actually heard a, 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 a biblical explanation of why the fruit there is so good this time, because the mm. apples and the, the fruit is incredible, and all fresh yeah. and all healthy. Yeah, I mean, even at breakfast, you have these amazing spreads of salads and, you know, all of these kind of options yes. on smoked fish. And, you know, it's just, it's just kind of incredible. And I remember one time going from Israel back to the UK, and uh, it was kind of a, a shock to the system <laughs> to go from a, an Israeli breakfast, and, and like breakfast is the best thing that you get in England, right? Yeah. And I love, with my wife and I love English culture. We're, we're huge, you know, uh, fans of, of UK and, and culture, and we've eaten great food there. But to go from an Israeli breakfast even back to the West, in a sense, and um, and and have just kind of standard fare that we have there. It all of a sudden feels like it's just not up to par yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Well, you talk about the people and living stones and biblical stones. So, talk to us about that overview of uh, of the land of Israel that you gave us in this article. Yeah, I think I think there are a couple of um, things that I'm very passionate about for people to experience when they go to Israel. Um, and, I, and I think it, it can be transformative in terms of, of life. Uh, one thing would be, of course, the ancient stones. So mm-hmm. when you go to places like Caesarea Maritima, and you see um, you know, all of the amazing archaeological layout of, of that place, 
And uh, Mike, I, I know you've been there. You've seen the the uh, amphitheater that's just back behind Herod's Palace. There, right. um, Herod's Palace was built right on the water. Actually, jutted out into the ocean a bit, and then back up behind it, you have this kind of amphitheater area. And I think probably that is what is being referred to in Acts twenty five twenty three when when Paul is getting ready to be brought before Agrippa and Festus. And it's simply described, the place that he's brought to is simply described as, uh, you could literally translate it, the listening place, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, kind of the auditorium. And I think that's probably the place where Paul was was being uh, interviewed with all of the kind of the elites of Caesarea at that time. This was, this was the main Roman outpost for the land of Israel at that time. It's where the governor would have had his palace. Right. Um, and so you go and you, you see places like that, or you go to, um, you go to Capernaum and you can put your hand on the basalt layer of the synagogue. There's a third to fourth century synagogue that's still mostly standing there. Um, but if you look, there's a basalt or a black rock layer underneath that synagogue. And that is the synagogue that Jesus taught in. Yeah. Um, still there, you know, that basalt layer. And then when you're looking out over the ruins of Capernaum, you see how all the houses were built wall to wall, and you suddenly think about Mark 2, and you think, oh my goodness, well, this is why the guys had to climb up on the roof yep. to go and let their friend down through the roof, because you're seeing how compact the town was in terms of all the housing, and it, and it would have been impossible if if you had even you know a few dozen people kind of clogging a quote street, which is not very wide anyway, then it would have been impossible to get to one of the inner houses. And so they had to climb up on the top. So there are all kinds of things like that, where the, the geography, the layout of, um, you know, the cities and that kind of thing, suddenly everything becomes very real. And you think, wow, God was doing this stuff in real place and time. And I think that matters that people grasp the historical reality that God initiated things in the world in real places, real space. Yeah, I like time. to say when Jesus is in Galilee, he's living in a black basalt world. You know, the yeah, the synagogue, right. I mean, Chorazin, you go there, there's this black basalt synagogue. And when I see those those uh, houses, the walls of the houses all built together, what I think of George is r- how quickly the rumors would be passed, oh, he's back in town. Oh, have you heard, you know, the Nazarene right. is here, and he's at Peter's house. And so all of a sudden, like you said, in this narrow alleyway, alleyway there are all these people that are crammed. They want to see Jesus. It makes perfect sense right. when you see it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I think for the faith, I think, um, uh, you know, it is it is just profoundly important that, that we need to understand that our faith is grounded in history. Yes. That God was, was entering the world to transform it, to put things in motion that ultimately would end in the new heavens and the new earth. Mm-hmm. You know, God's not about this dichotomy between kind of real life and then spiritual life. It's it's integrated profoundly in but, Christ and what Christ came to do. But there's something far more significant than the biblical stones. Absolutely. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm setting you the up there. The thing that surprised me <laughs> when I went to Israel was the living stones, mm-hmm. as I talk about in that article. Um and I think that encountering the church in Israel has has been one of the greatest gifts of my life. Um, wow, that says a lot. I, yeah, I mean it's it's amazing when I think about places in the world where God is is moving in powerful ways, kind of acts, you know, Book of Acts kind of ways. I think of China, of course. Yes. Uh, I think of Iran, which is uh, another place that we've been. Yeah. We haven't been to Iran, but we've. We've gotten in touch with Iran more lately, uh, but then Israel. Uh, it's it's incredible what God is doing in the church there. You have now, no one knows exactly, but maybe 150-plus uh, Messianic congregations in Israel, and you have a lot of Arab Christian churches as well. So when I first went, I went to teach the Book of Hebrews to a class that was almost all Jewish uh, believers, and I got to the end of that class, and Mike, I normally will, you know, uh, kind of lead the class in singing before the throne of God, uh-huh. you know, it's, which is a Hebrews kind of hymn, 
And, um, and, and that was fine, you know, for the believers there. But one of the sisters said, um, can we sing uh, Rambani Saha Mashiach, which is high and exalted is the Messiah. Wow. And uh, one of the lead worship guys in Israel was in my class. His name is Jamie. And Jamie got out his guitar, and, and all of these, you know, the room was filled with these Jewish believers lifting their hands wow. and singing, you know, Rambani Saha Mashiach, just yeah filling the room wow. with this praise of Jesus as the Messiah. And, um, and I just wept. I just wept. And so, um, you know, that's, that's just the beginning story. But, oh, my goodness, to, to walk the streets uh, with Jewish believers, to have a, a Jewish pastor take me to the hill outside of the traditional site of the Sermon on the Mount, so going out into all the weeds and sitting there, and having him read the Sermon on the Mount in Hebrew, wow, um, was just oh my goodness, just just life changing. <laughs> so, well, let me ask both of uh, you. You you've both observed <laughs> this, but it's not just the scholarly which are impacted this way. It's everybody who goes, right? Oh, absolutely, Mike. You could you could speak to that because well, of your groups that you take. Well, I I would say in some sense, it, you I mean, and you you could you can answer this better than me, George. But sometimes the uh, a- academia has has a, a, a harder time sort of embracing the moment of being there because you've got there's so much information you're dealing with. I think I think sometimes it's easier uh, if you help me, George. <laughs> Do you no, see what I I'm think saying? I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, you know, boy, there's so much that we could talk about yeah. in this, but we uh, we you know I don't want to make a dichotomy between the academic and kind of kind of lay people because there's so many good academics who are, they love Christ and they're doing the stuff that they're do, yes. doing for the church. And, you know, so you, ha- you have all of that, but there are times that um, modern biblical scholarship since the enlightenment has tended to separate faith and history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And therefore history becomes kind of something of the laboratory. You know, you, you get this kind of atomistic pulling apart of all the bits and arguments against, you know, whatever. Yes. And, um, and I do think that it is, um, it, it is a wonderful experience to experience Israel with the church. And I mean, I, I can do it and want to do it from an academic standpoint, you know, as a New Testament person. But what, is, what has uh, deeply impacted me has, has been walking the streets with people who are in the church and then seeing the reconciliation that God is doing there uh, between Arabs and Jews, for instance, because of the gospel. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, when you have those eyes, then, oh my goodness, it, it becomes something very, very, very powerful. I brought that up, George, because uh, it just impresses me so much that um, here you are, professor of New Testament, a scholar, and yet you're talking about how it impacted your faith on a person. It reinvigorated your faith, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, I think. I think for me, Seeing the church internationally, especially in marginalized communities, in places like China and Israel, uh, and seeing their joy mm. um, has, has just has just been transformed. Let me give you one experience uh, that really oh, was was uh, high impact for me. I was teaching Jewish and Arab pastors in Nazareth, so the class was thirty something people in the class, half Jewish, half Arab. It was absolute chaos. Uh, <laughs> we had dual translation going on in Arabic and Hebrew. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and people are talking across each other in the class and, and making jokes. And, you know, they're, they're joking all the time, And uh, but, they, but they absolutely love each other. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, there's a great backstory of how they got together. But what they did when they came together as a class for the first time is they decided they were not going to talk about reconciliation. Huh. They thought they they decided what they would do is they would simply focus on the gospel, and they would see what happened. Wow! And what happened was this: they grew into this beautiful, loving community that has a, a common voice in proclaiming how Yeshua uh, bring you know Jesus just transforms everything. So one night uh, when I was there in Nazareth, one of the Arab brothers. Um, was from Nazareth. He was pastoring a church north of there, but he was from Nazareth. And he asked me, he said, would you like to just go out for uh, a tour of the city tonight about nine or nine thirty? 
Mm. Um, you know, Nazareth is predominantly Arab. Uh, and so I, I said, sure, you know, that would be, that would be wonderful. So he and I met down in the, the lobby and we're about to go out and three of the Jewish brothers were standing there and asked what we were doing. And, and we said, Hey, why don't you come along? So an Arab guy, three Jews, and this American are walking through the dark alleys of Nazareth, you know, um, at nine thirty at night. Sounds kind of like a start of a joke. I was, uh, was going to say that, but I, I held back. <laughs> so we're walking and we make our way down to the Basilica of the Annunciation, yep. which is the, you know, the traditional side of, of Jesus's home yep. where he grew up. And uh, that is the amazing thing about teaching in Nazareth is you're going along and you suddenly start talking about the, the childhood of Jesus and you, and you think, like right out there, it was over right there. outside the window. You well, know, I, there's an alley. Uh, so we, there's, there's an alley right behind that church that has this sign on that says, "What's the name of G or what's the name of the Messiah?" It's in it's Jesus or it's Yeshua, and it's a graffiti yeah. on the wall. Oh, okay. Goodness. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So anyway, we made it down to the basilica, and we were just standing there. The basilica was closed, but we were standing there looking at the outside. And there were two older Arab men who were coming up the street with a young woman who was one of their daughter uh, daughters. And when they got to us, it turned out that one of these uh, Arab men was a licensed tour guide. So he just started giving us this impromptu history of the Basilica and why there, why there are different churches that are, you know, meet in the Basilica and all of that. And we got to the end and the other Arab guy turned to my Arab pastor friend and said, now you're Arab and these these guys are Jewish. So what's up with that? Wow. And he wasn't he wasn't offended. He he was just genuinely curious yeah. at that point. There could have been other people that would have been offended, but he was just curious. And without missing a beat and without even looking at each other, the Arab guy and the three Jewish guys all said, "Oh, it's because of Yeshua." <laughs> wow. They just gave a unified <laughs> word of witness. Uh, that was spontaneous, and it was the the four guys together saying, "Well, Yeshua is the one who's brought us together, and we have unity in Him." Wow. Well, what and, was the response? And so you see those kind of dynamics. You go, "Wow, this." I mean, the gospel changes culture, it changes life. Doctor George Guthrie, our guest here. Uh, George, you want to set up the song? We're going to ask Michael to sing. Sure. We, we've been talking about the church in Israel and the uh, kind of the shadow side of this that I haven't talked about is that the church is profoundly marginalized, whether you're talking about the Messianic Jewish community or the Arab Christian community there in Israel. So they live in a context in which the gospel is a scandal mm-hmm. for everyone around them. And they are boldly and joyfully living out the gospel uh, on a day-to-day basis that really is more akin to what we see in the book of Acts. It, it's a gospel that's not always heard as good news by people. Uh, the gospel is still a stumbling block there, and yet these brothers and sisters are living it out with great joy as the gospel goes forward in the land of the gospel's birth. George, thanks for spending some time with us. It's always so good to catch up with you. Well, I appreciate you guys so much. I just love talking to you and hearing what's going on with you as well. Yeah. God bless. Let's listen as Michael sings Scandal On. One, two, three. Never thought he'd be so meek and humble He would be the truth that will offend them one and all A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken so that he can make them whole And many will be crushed and lose their own Stubborn scandal on And all who come this way Must be offended Some he is a barrier To others he's the way 
For all she know, the scandal of believing He will be the truth that will offend them one and all A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken so that he can make them whole And many will be crushed and lose their own soul Seems today the scandal on offends no one at all For the image we present can be stepped over Could it be that we're like the others long ago Will we ever learn that all who come must stumble them one and all A stone that makes men stumble And a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken So that he can make them whole And many will be crushed And lose their own soul Well, we need to pause the session right here But there is much more on the way We're always glad to read your reactions to this program. You can send your comments or questions to us through our website. Go to michaelcard.com and scroll down to find contact. We look forward to reading what you post to michaelcard.com. And could you help us get the word out about this program by posting a review? Your opinion matters, and we'd appreciate your feedback to get the word out about what you found. And invite a friend to subscribe. Accessing the podcast is easy on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify when you search for Michael Card. And you can extend the impact of the teaching you've heard from Michael. Check out his insights through his weekly blog, his books, his music, and Bible conferences. Explore all that's waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Well, coming up, more music and conversation in just a moment here in the studio with Michael Card. Well, back in January, you spent the entire month leading tours in Israel. I want to hear more about that. But we recorded some of your singing on location there. We're going to hear that in a moment. And we're going to have Joe Carlson, our producer, walk into the studio and sit down because he was with you on that trip. That's all all coming up. But tell me these songs that we're going to hear, the things we leave behind and why. um, Where were these sung? Well, the location is very special. It's called the Arbel, which is a a, a mountain of that's right next to the Sea of Galilee. And you, 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 uh, you drive up there kind of around the backside of it and walk to the top, and you can see all of Jesus' world. You see um, most, most of the northern part of the lake, which is basically where the Gospels record him mm-hmm. uh, being. Uh, I used to think that's, that was the only place he, he was because that's the only place the Gospel talked about. But the Gospel talks about... 0.09% of, of his <laughs> yeah. life. So my guess is he climbed up the Arbel where we were. He went all, I think he must have gone all over that lake. But but you can see right at the foot of the uh, cliff is Magdala, where Mary Magdalene's from. Mm-hmm. And then you just follow the shore right around. You can see uh, where the Beatitudes were given. Uh, you can see Capernaum a uh, little farther up, Bethsaida. Uh, on the far side of the hill, where the gathering demoniac, you can see the the cliff where the <laughs> pigs ran goodness. into the lake. Wow. No wonder you like to go to this it, place. It's a, it's an incredible place. And and the last uh, week we were there, it was so clear from where we were, you could see all the way to Mount Hermon, which is in the northern part of Israel, and it was covered with snow. I was going to say, I was going to ask if it was had, if oh, it had snow on it. It yeah. was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> you know, you don't think of Jesus living in a world where when, when he's on the lake. He can look north and see a snow-capped mountain, but mm. during part of the year, that's that's what it is. Mm. It's incredible. Well, with that mental picture in mind, let's all go there now as Michael sings, and then Joe will join us in the studio to talk about his own experience there. But Michael comes with these songs sung there at Airbell. This sort of relates a little bit to the 
location. Because Jesus called the disciples. I mean, that all happened right down there. I mean, just the northern tip of this lake. It, it's, to me, it's amazing to me. My old conviction was that this is the only party he ever went to. But when we crossed this this time, I thought in all of his life, he must have been all around this lake. He must have walked over those hills. He must have come up here. You know, I can't think that it was just there that he... But that's where the ministry was. There sits Simon, so foolish and wise, which is right on the bank along there. That's where they were cleaning their nets. Proud, see, proudly he's tending his nets. Then Jesus calls, and the boats drift away, and all that he owns he forgets. Than the nets he abandoned that day. He found that his pride was soon drifting away, and it's hard to imagine the freedom we find from the things that we leave behind. And this is Matthew, which is like right there in Capernaum. So that's the only time I can do that. I'm doing that for you, Nate. <laughs> Matthew was mindful of taking the tax and pressing the people to pay. But hearing the call, he responded in faith and followed the light and the way. And leaving the people so puzzled, he found the greed in his heart was no longer around, and it's hard to imagine freedom we find from the things that we leave behind every heart needs to be set free from possessions that hold it so tight cause freedom's not found in the things that we own it's the power to do what is right with Jesus our only possession then giving becomes our delight And we can't imagine the freedom we find From the things that we leave behind And we show a love for the world in our lives By worshipping goods we possess But Jesus said Lay all your treasures aside And love God above all the rest Cause when we say no to the things of the world We open our hearts to the love of the Lord And it's hard to imagine the freedom we find From the things that we leave behind Oh, and it's hard to imagine the freedom we find from the things that we leave behind. To show him that's not what a kiss is for Only a friend can betray a friend A stranger has nothing to gain And only a friend comes close enough To ever cause so much pain Why did there have to be 
a thorny crown pressed upon his head. It should have been a royal one made of jewels and gold instead. It had to be a crown of thorns because in this life that we live. For all who would seek to love, a thorn is all the world has to give. And why did there have to be a heavy cross he was made to bear? And why did they nail his feet and hands? His love would have held him there. It was a cross for on a cross, a thief was supposed to pay. And Jesus had come into the world to steal every heart away. Yes, Jesus had come into the world to steal every heart away. Well, Mike, it really is fun to hear that recorded on location. Yeah, we we had a great trip uh, this year uh, to Israel, and our own Joe Carlson went with us uh, for the first leg of the trip. How about that? And uh, he's here in the studio with us uh, to talk about his experience there. Yes. Well. You played did, those. Did you collect chill bumps? Did you collect chill bumps? <laughs> I don't know if it was chill bumps, but I, not just gaining knowledge, but we had some yeah. great experience, uh-huh. especially at Arbel, where you had just played those songs and then you had told us to go and find a spot and meditate for a while and yeah. consider where we were. Yeah. So that's what I did. Yeah. I went and found a rock and I sat down and I was looking at. As you talk about the the vista on top of uh, Mount Arbel, is you see the entire lake and the hills that Jesus would have seen, mm-hmm. and it, the day was beautiful. Yeah. And as I'm sitting there going, this is just beautiful. And yeah. then Jesus, what do you want to tell me while I'm sitting here looking at this? Mm-hmm. And the thought that kept coming through my mind was the passage in Luke where Jesus says, "I came to seek and to save the lost." Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know. This is beautiful right now, but Jesus didn't come here to make this a Disneyland. Right. The world that he came into was dangerous. Uh, it was dark. There was, there was confusion. Um, it's a hard world to live in. You know, there was always, where do you get clean water? Where do you get your food from? How do you keep your clothes clean? Or, and, or you're walking down the street and then there's someone hanging on a cross uh, out on the outskirts of town because right. the Romans have just crucified him. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so into this kind of world, God would send his son. Mm. And into that kind of chaos and confusion, that's where the son of God comes to not just make it a Disneyland, mm-hmm. not just make it happy, not just so I can sit on a mountain and look at a beautiful vista. Yeah. Jesus came to save sinners. And um, that was overwhelming for me. Mm. I needed to hear that in that spot from him. Was there another spot? I know we were, we you spent some time at the lake. Uh, we had a we have a bonfire one night. I mean, did what what was the experience of the lake like? I mean, I wanted to see you cry. My, yeah, that <laughs> was, I was hoping to see Joe cry yeah. the first time he saw the Sea of Galilee. Well, you know, the the first time I saw the Sea of Galilee was not in the evening when we showed up because it was dark out. Uh huh. It was in the morning. I got up early and I went down by the shore. Yeah, and. Uh, so you know that I work at Cook County Jail, and so when I came back from Israel, I told the guys, yeah, I went to Israel. Oh, what was it like? And I uh-huh. said, well, that you, Mike, had told me that I needed to cry when I see Galilee. Right. And I didn't cry when I first saw Galilee. In uh-huh. the morning, I said, boy, this is beautiful. I saw the hills that Jesus would have seen. Yes. And I stooped down, and I touched the water. Uh-huh. And when I tell the guys, I touched the water, and then I paused, and I look kind of like, listen. <laughs> and I said, my hand got wet. There was no electricity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a normal world. <laughs> yeah. The water's wet. Uh, when you go across the lake, we had to take a boat. Right. Um, and you see the hills, and the hills have dirt and stones and 
plants. It's a real place. And and it's a small world. It, I mean, when you yeah. see the, the cities, there's just three or four cities around the northern part of that lake that yeah. the Gospels talk about. Right. But into that real world, that's where God walks in. Mm. That's where God walks in. Joe, you've been a Christian a long time. Yeah. You've been in service for Christ for a long time. And yet yeah. I get a sense that this trip really kind of reinvigorated that faith. I, yeah, I think so. I, what happens, Wayne, is that when I'm reading something in Scripture, it comes alive. When you're on Arbel and you look down and you see the spot, that's where that's the the Isaiah 9 passage. And so the other day I was reading through Isaiah and I came to that passage. And it's like, oh, my word, I've seen this spot. <laughs> yeah. I've seen this yeah, spot. You know, there's Magdala. Well, that's mm-hmm. Mary Magdala. Okay, there's, you know, there's Capernaum. Okay, yeah. well, that— over there's Bethsaida. Well, okay. And yeah. it's just all... It's all right there. Yeah. And, and, so it and it's going to stick alive. with you for a lifetime. I hope. It's I a hope pretty so. powerful sense memory, I think. Yeah, I think when you open the scriptures, I, I know how far it is across the lake. And it's not that far. No. Yeah. But then as the, you know, our experience around Galilee, well, one of the things that is powerful about the tour with you, Mike, is that you create these spaces where we can gather as a group and process even together. And one of the things that happened was they had a campfire at the shore of Sea of Galilee at night, so it's dark. They get this roaring fire. Mike's there playing guitar, and then it's also hearing people's comments, hearing people's reactions, um, not just to what they've learned, but how God is working in their heart and life. And so... Uh, this is part of part of what I do is I had my my recorder as a good radio guy. I was recording stuff, so we <laughs> Not got to record. let that moment pass. Are you? <laughs> so I took it to the fire. I said, "What could happen?" And you know, in this recording that we have here, uh, we'll hear Mike singing, um, the fire roaring, and it might be kind of hard to hear some of the comments. And as someone that's been on the tour, I can I, I can fill in the holes. Yep. But uh, put your imagination on. Listen tight. Listen clear. Some of the things that some of the other participants at the uh, tour say will capture your imagination. Well, let's listen to it right now. Again, don't focus on the crackling fire, but on what's being said. Being up there, having laid out where Naphtali is and, and uh, the way of the sea, and then hearing Isaiah 9 and looking at it, I've, I've said to a few of you, like, when you don't have a grid for these places and these names, your brain turns them off. They're, they're this abstraction. It's, yeah. It might as well be something that it doesn't matter. You can't. Um, and so all of a sudden, having all of that kind of, at one moment, seeing this, this, and this, and hearing that prophecy and seeing how rich it's, it's almost like it felt much more like a pinpoint on a map and less like somewhere over here in israel it just felt like oh you mean right there this god's gonna bless this place with 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 jesus's presence and uh yeah that was that was really huge i, I felt like it was huge yeah um a moment for me was that that sean we climbed up to the top and we were looking down at the ruins and all of a sudden I looked to the left and noticed just the mountains in the distance and I was like here we are staring at what man made that lays in ruins and not seeing what God made that mm-hmm. lays before us in all its glory oh that's cool mm-hmm. yeah what man made is laying in ruins and then what God made. that's good when, uh, when we were going across the lake and uh, just uh the awesomeness of where we were and the things that we were remembering happening in the Bible. Everybody was in a good mood and we were all enjoying it as Christian brothers and sisters. Um, me personally, I, I, I felt joy in life that I haven't felt in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Amen. Such interesting comments recorded around that campfire. We've all stood around a campfire yeah. and shared, you know, our lives. But how often does that happen in Israel? Mike? Well, how how often is the campfire on the shore of the Sea of Galilee? <laughs> yeah. And you're hearing, you know, you're hearing uh, coyotes or these kind of jackals. I'm not sure exactly what they are off in the distance, and uh, and it really is. It's his world. Yeah, it's it's a gorgeous place. There was a couple named Nate and Sarah Partain. Yes. Uh, tell me about them. 
Well, Sarah um, was our babysitter for years and years and years. Uh, when she was, uh, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, she, we called her Sergeant Sarah because she, <laughs> she would whip our kids into shape. And we would, we'd go out on a date, and we'd come back, and they'd be all scrubbed and in their pajamas and in bed. And I would say, how in the world wow. did you do that? Yeah. And so uh, she married uh, Nate Partain, who's an extraordinary uh, young man, a uh, great, great singer, um, um, has, a, has a real pastor's heart. And they were and, with you around the campfire and they, they they came on the trip with us, uh, and um, this is uh, them singing a song called I Won't Let You Go, but uh, extraordinary couple and this fantastic young lady. In the fight of life, no, I won't let you go. Through the war inside you, I won't let you go. You can run all night, but I won't let you go. Every place you hide, no, I won't let you go. For all ages I have loved you I have engraved you In my hands I have saved you Completely paid for you And I'll never Lose my grasp you can spill your pain, cause I won't let you go. You can yell and blame me, I won't let you go. You can shut me out, but I won't let you go. Till your walls come down, no, I For all ages I have loved you I engraved you In my hands I have saved you Completely paid for you And I'll never Lose my grasp Oh my child I have bound myself to you You're my joy, my favorite one Do not fear, for I will not abandon you I cannot forsake my son You can bear your soul, cause I won't let you go let your heart be known cause I won't let you go you can fold and yield cause I won't let you go how I long to heal you I And that was a, a, a special evening. There have been a lot of special evenings alongside that lake, but uh, to hear uh, Sarah and Nate sing that song, especially as, as much as she's meant to our family, mm-hmm. um, and now to see her married and she has her own family, and uh, we all were together and, and given that testimony. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a great evening. Well, and Joe is there. Yeah, thanks to you case. and Joe for helping yeah. us listening picture yeah. of what that's like. So. Now, but the point is, Wayne, what I, I the I, I don't want listeners to think this is all about promoting going to Israel. That is not what this is about. I, I know your heart. Um it, it's about well, it's about what George was uh, talking to us about earlier, the the idea of living stones. And well, and Joe mentioned it too. He goes and he touches the lake and what happens? 
Well, the sand gets it's water. Wet. <laughs> right. It's it's not Disneyland. It's not you know. It's it's uh, um, it's it it's realizing that God comes into history. Jesus definitively does his thing in in a place at a certain time, and uh, and that work through the Holy Spirit goes on through us. And you're in the place you find yourself, and the places I find myself, and we we are those living stones. So the point is not the, the basalt synagogue, you know, foundation in Capernaum, <laughs> blah 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 blah. No, the point is that we we are living stones, and He is still definitively doing His thing in history and in 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 time and in place, uh, in and through us. And um, wow. Isn't it incredible that he chooses to work through us? Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty glorify True belief and true repentance Every grace that brings you nigh Come ye weary, heavy laden Lost and ruined by the fall If you tarry till you're better you will never come at all. I will arise and go to Jesus he will embrace me in his arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are ten thousand charms. A fitting song to conclude this session in the studio with Michael Card. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lauren Kosky, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Carr.